You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. We're back on college football today. 2018 NFL Draft Combine Special. We're live on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, wherever else you can find us. We're trying to preview all these players, get you a sense of who can be a fantasy impact, a fantasy star over the course of the next several seasons. We'll talk, we'll relate Joe and Rich's vast college football knowledge to Corey's vast fantasy football knowledge. And just I'm just, football altogether. I'm just, oh, Mike, just I'm just football hit. altogether. I'm fantasy, just college, yeah, right. arena ball, Makes arena, yeah. Yeah. XFL. I'm, I'm just over here. <laughs> I'm just over here splinting, uh, spinning plates and running traffic. So uh, what I want to talk about next is wide receivers, actually. So uh, this class doesn't get a lot of buzz uh, in comparison to recent classes, and maybe that's not entirely fair. You know, we, we have some guys come out, make an impact right away, like a Julio Jones and uh, speaking of, uh, his alma mater is the guy that currently has a player that's slotted to go first amongst the wide receivers. So I don't, it's unfair to compare players from the same school. So I'm not going to say, hey, is Calvin Ridley like Julio Jones? Because he isn't. There are very few guys are. But where, who would you compare him to in the league? Uh, or, or, you know, or players in recent Antonio drafts? Antonio Brown. Antonio. I think he's an that, Antonio wow. Brown. I think he is. Same <laughs> type of up, body though. type. I think yeah. his route running ability, I think he runs flu- more fluid routes than Julio Jones and Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. That being said, both uh, wide receivers have been very productive. So that's my guy. I think he's a, a spitting image of a young Antonio Brown coming out of Central Michigan. Can I go deeper into the, uh, into the archives for sure. a comparison? Syracuse wide receiver. You want to take a guess? Yeah, Marvin Harrison. Well, Marvin Harrison is Marvin what I see. Marvin Harrison. Yeah, nice. I, I see a young Marvin Harrison. Smooth. Extremely fluid, smooth. Joe, you touched on it. Runs the tree excessively well. Great route runner. Tremendous hands. The only flaw I could see is he's a little slight, much like Marvin Harrison. The body type, he's not going to take a lot of punishment. Right. But and, and at Alabama, we could talk about Jalen Hurts and Tua and stuff like that. They never had great quarterbacks when Calvin Ridley. I mean, in terms of like next-level quarterbacks, Jacob Coker. So he didn't have a battery mate where you could say he's got an elite, not even an A.J. McCarron. He didn't get a chance to play right. with A.J. So uh, Calvin Ridley is number one. I would say I'll throw this out to the panel. Calvin to the next best wide receiver, is that as big of a gap as Saquon to the next best running back? It, I think it is. I think it is in this draft. But a lot of people are really high on James Washington. They I say like that him. James, I Washington, like James is, Washington is. is a lot of people say that James Washington is the top recruit in this uh, wide receiver in this class. I just know when I see Calvin Ridley, you like, okay, this guy's the best guy on the field. I don't see that with James Washington. But I think James Washington's very good. He's stiff. James Washington's a sprinter. I mean, if you watch his tape, he can get behind any opposing secondary on a fly pattern. That's why Mason Rudolph put up dynamic numbers. Part of it was because of James Washington's big play capability and his ability to catch the football at its highest point. When you look at his senior bowl, he struggled with some bump and run coverage, and because he plays in the Big 12, that's going to be an area of concern on the next level. It's going to be a learning process. I love James Washington as a top 10 wide receiver uh, player in this combine to be drafted, but I still put all my chips in with Calvin Ridley. He's a more polished wide receiver at this point in his career. Corey, my problem with Big 12 wide receivers is none of them are making an impact in the league. Des Bryant. Very, uh, very few. <laughs> very, very few. Okay. We had guys, um, 
Washington receiver Josh. But was Michael Crabtree? Michael Crabtree's no, no, no. Big Twelve wide receiver. Yeah, sure. Michael Josh Doxson, Josh Doxson, oh. and several other guys. TCU. We've seen yeah. the flashes yeah. from Doxson, though. We this season, let's be fairly, we did see flashes from Doxson this season. <laughs> fairly, right. Mike. We come on. A that that catch in the in the Seahawks game, that was a big time play in a big time game. I get it. I and get it. You're it, it, it starting to see it a it little was. bit. It was. I just. I'm really concerned. Look. I, you can't not draft anybody from the Big 12, yeah. but I get really concerned about it. QB, it's too hard to evaluate. There's so many targets going around. Yeah, their numbers are always going to look great. Where are the I, great defensive players yeah. from the Big 12? That's too? right. I mean, who really frightens you at any level of the Big 12? There's not a lot of elite talent. There at isn't. All. And the, look, the, the numbers have been dropping year over year, the number of Big 12 players being drafted at all. In general. Yeah. Last year, I think the, the ACC had three or four times as many players drafted as the Big 12, and the SEC had more than them. So it, 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 certainly GMs are having a hard time evaluating that conference from quarterback play because they're running spread offense all the time. The offensive linemen are in two-point stances constantly. The receivers are getting too many targets for it to be a realistic comparison to somebody like Ridley, who's playing pro-style against great defenses. It becomes difficult. What's interesting about this class is three of the four guys, top four guys you see in a lot of rankings, are Ridley, Christian Kirk, and James Washington. Um, really not big guys at all. Washington's no. pretty got a pretty good body type. Uh, Antonio Brown-like with some of those guys, uh, like Ridley as well. Cortland Sutton's really the only guy with any kind of real size, 6'4", 220, you know, that kind of size. But I think that's interesting that we see a lot of smaller guys being drafted there. Does it mean that you put them right into a slot scenario? It, no, I, I, you can play no. Some of these guys can play on the outside because yeah. it's, it's in the mold of the Antonio Browns, the Jamison Crowders. What's my man from the Minneapolis Miracle? I can't think his name. The kid from Maryland, Steph Diggs. Diggs. Stephon, Stephon Diggs. Diggs. Do you starting to see these the mold of these wide receivers? That's what this class looks like outside of guys like Sutton and uh, what's the other dude from Oklahoma State? Aitman, something like that? Yeah, Aitman. Marcel Aitman. Marcel Aitman, Aitman. Aitman yep. yeah. Um, so a few other guys, James Pettis, DJ Moore, Anthony Miller, any of these guys to like you Anthony stand out? Yeah. I like it. I think it's a twofold process. I think when you look at the wide receiver position, do you want a more uh, versatile wide receiver, an Antonio Brown type of stature, like a Calvin Ridley that could be a number one or can play the slot like an Edelman, uh, a Ryan Switzer, Cole Beasley type of wide receiver, or do you want a bigger body, a guy like Alshon Jeffrey from Philadelphia. I think that's the type of decision that teams have to make. I think if you want a bigger body, two of the guys that I was talking to Rich about were Simi Cobbs and Alan Lazard. Both go 6'5", 6'6", respectively, 225 pounds. They led their team in receptions and yards, but they're not going to wow anybody because of the production. The production was based because they did not have elite quarterback play. You look at Simi Cobbs, he had 10 receptions against, uh, against Ohio State, 149 receiving yards. Alan Lazard stepped up against on the road against Oklahoma, 10 receptions, uh, excuse me, 69 uh, receiving yards, a, a touchdown against Oklahoma, 10 receptions, 149 yards against Memphis. Bigger plays in big ball games without elite quarterback play, and that's why I think you look at them in red zone opportunities. Those are two players that you have to look at, but it depends on the way. Let me ask y'all too about the uh, Auden Tate from Florida State. Right, no quarterback play for him this year either. 
he's a he's a big he's a big physical guy. He looks like he has the prototypical number one NFL tight wide receiver. What do you think he is in the NFL? I think his route running ability is a second, third round type mm. of guy. He had ten receiving touchdowns with James Blackman. Again, is he as polished as some of the other guys that I just mentioned? No. I think he could possibly even slip into the fourth or fifth round and be a guy that might take two or three years to progress, but he'll be a productive wide receiver. Yeah, Tate, I would say great uh, red zone weapon, a little bit unpolished at this point in his career, didn't get much help last year, and even in 2016, because Francois was just a rookie two years ago, so out in Tate and all of those Florida State wide receivers have not gotten great support, but I like his size, I like his big hands, I like what he can do in terms of playing above defensive backs, so again, red zone out in Tate would be somebody that I would look at as well. Anybody that I didn't, that we didn't mention? That Jaleel Scott at New Mexico State, if you want to talk big wide receivers he's already done well so far in the pre-draft process all-star games 6'5 215 pounds his quarterback Tyler Rogers yeah. was out for a chunk late in the season so he didn't he didn't have his battery made back 6'5 215 loves the game and that's something I like Six, to look five, at as well 215 yeah big Damn. runs well that's a big, that's a big uh, was in an offense that didn't really maximize right. his skill set so he's a kid that again I'm thinking third day Jaleel Scott from New Mexico State is somebody who could shine so two things uh first discussion i want to have the irony Corey. we know we know this it comes around draft time every year you could sit you could line up all 32 nfl gms yeah show them julio jones show them antonio brown they can know what brown's good production is they'll still draft julio they're going to draft julio jones because they're going to look at that size yeah. and that's that size speed combo right. and the potential of what that can do in their offense what they don't understand is that's that's he's going to be a, these big wide receivers later in their career their durability these injury concerns start to, to, to rack up. You look at the situation with Des Bryant right now. People saying that he's on the downside of his career. Julio's foot is hurt Julio's every year. Julio's foot is hurt every year. He stays banged up. Antonio Brown just got injured this year, and he's probably going to go out next year and have another 100-catch season. You look at Jarvis Landry, smaller frame guy. Does anybody have more catches than Jarvis Landry since Jarvis Landry's been in the NFL? He's got the NFL record for most catches through the first four seasons of his career, 400 on the nose. So um, he's also the first receiver ever to have 100 catches and not 1,000 yards, but that's really a Dolphins issue. <laughs> You, that's not a Jarvis Landry issue. So, um, so, so that was the first thing I wanted to say. Secondarily, um, team needs. Who is really in desperate need of a wide receiver? What is interesting about this class, while the prototype guys may not jump out, there seems to be a, a bunch of guys here that can really catch the ball, can get in, get down the field, get pick up first downs, those types of players. Put Ridley aside, the rest of those guys are guys that may be sure-handed wide receivers that may not be number one and number two guys on the outside, right. but they can get you first downs. You mentioned Edelman. That that type of receiver is more in vogue now than ever in the NFL. Yeah, and Anthony Miller's a guy. You mentioned him in the last segment. 94 receptions, over 1,400 yards, always around the football, and has great hands and catches it at its highest point. Two other guys that I like from Clemson, Ray Ray McLeod and Deion Kane. Not elite numbers because of the progression of quarterback Kelly Bryant. Only 13 passing touchdowns last year, but they're players you could possibly pick up in the third or fourth round that can make or roster and really have dynamic production, not just from an NFL standpoint, but fantasy as well. Let me ask you guys this. Let me hop in right here. The Chicago Bears decimated that wide receiver. They have nobody. Right. This is going to be a team where we're going to see a wide receiver go early. They got the kid, Trubisky, who I am not. I really don't believe in, but they bring in uh, Matt N- uh, Nagy is a new head coach. Now their OC is Mark Helfrick, former Oregon head coach. What kind of wide receiver would you think they would be looking for 
bang or being based on what you know about the offensive coordinator? Well, in terms of Helfrich, I would say more of a versatile, somewhat smaller Oregon wide receivers were not the six two, six three types. They tended to be six Lanky. foot and and smaller. I, I would say Christian Kirk. I, I yeah. like his versatility. He's the kind of player that could stretch a defense, could also be used in jet sweeps, special teams star as well. I think out of the slot, he's got kind of a thicker build, maybe 5'11", 215, thicker type of a guy, can bounce off of tacklers. That kind of versatility, I could see Mark Helfrich liking a Christian Kirk in his offense. Yeah, I agree. Christian Kirk is a top 10 talent. You look at the games last year, seven receiving uh, receptions against LSU, 13 against Wake Forest. Always big play capability and big ball games against Alabama two years ago. Stepped up with getting beat, uh, beating uh, Micah Fitzpatrick and bump and run coverage. So he's a guy that definitely translates to the next level and will be a great fit for Chicago. But again, the wide receiver position for Chicago, they traded away Alshon Jeffrey and yeah. Kevin White from West Virginia did not live up Nothing. to expectations. So be a little leery in drafting a wide receiver. What conference is Kevin round. White playing? Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Here's guy. the thing. Hey, we look at some numbers today with the retirement of Matt Forte. I think like the best wide receiver in Chicago Bay history is like uh, uh, Curtis Conway, something yeah. like that. Wow. They, they, they just really don't do Mar- they, Marty Booker, Marty guys Bo- like yeah, that. They, you know, Brandon Marshall time. for a little while, Alshon Jeffrey for a bit. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, the Bears are going to be sweating when Ridley's on the board. They the got the eighth time. pick in the draft. Yeah, I so think Ridley will be there for them at eight. It could be. Um, Can Trubisky get him the ball? That's the problem. No, I, got, <laughs> I got a lot of questions about that myself, personally. I didn't like that pick then. I don't like it now. Still, I have a really hard time with guys that have so little experience at the yeah. college level yeah. being drafted that high. We saw a lot of issues over the years. Sanchez is one that didn't have a ton of experience. What I like about it is several of these quarterbacks that are in this draft is that they have played a lot. They've started a lot. At least two full years, Allen, Darnold, Rosen, down the line, Lamar Jackson, plenty mm-hmm. more than two years. So that is what I do like about this class. Even if none of these guys ends up being elite, a lot of them have experience and, and should contribute long term. We can we'll sit here and go back and forth on them for the next several uh, months. But in any event, so they'll be sweating it when Calvin Ridley's out there. But Corey, he has an opportunity if Ridley gets drafted by somebody like the Bears to come in and be the number one because Cam Meredith is going to be just coming off an ACL injury. You can't assume him to be 100% healthy when the season starts. I mean, I think not only will he have a chance to be a number one, he more than likely could, would be the number one if he was in Chicago. I worry about the quarterback play, but you know what? This offensive coordinator from Oregon, he could ski, if he could scheme it up right, listen, he's brought, they bring, when you bring in guys like Nagy and Helfrich, this is to make Trubisky the, the, the truth. Want to see him step, step up, take the next step, get a little more creative in the offense, sort of like what uh, McVay was able to do with Jared Goff this past year. That's what they're going for with this hire, making this splash. I think they got to go get him a wide receiver, and I think this could be a landing spot for Ridley Sutton or James Washington. I'm bouncing around to different mock drafts during this. Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, guys from Yahoo. You got to pay elsewhere. for those. You got to uh, be an insider. I got it. <laughs> I, got it. I, I, I can float the 40 bucks. So they have Christian Kirk here going to Atlanta, which is kind of interesting. Um, you know that, that's uh, Taylor Gabriel's in the slot, so that's Julio, Muhammad Sanu, and, and possibly Kurt in the slot. Yeah, so you could save a little bit of money by doing that. You mm-hmm. know, this is always part of this angling too, where they want to bring in a younger guy, saves them a couple of million bucks, and can contribute right away. So somebody like Kirk could contribute there. They have Cortland Sutton to the Saints. That would be pretty interesting. Mm. A big receiver opposite Michael Thomas. We all know Michael Thomas is locked in as the number one Corey there for yep. a long time, but. 
would that con- the 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 value of wide receivers in the Saints offense, the fantasy value has changed based on what we saw last year. Alvin Kamara caught eighty passes. Yeah. So we were looking at Willie Sneed. That Willie Sneed was right. going to be a guy that was going to be able to come in, get seventy seventy five passes receptions. All of that work went to Alvin Kamara that they barely used to tight end. It's Alvin Kamara. It's Michael Thomas. That's what it looks like right now. Yeah, I mean, I have to give a lot of credit to Sean Payton. There's not a lot of coaches. The best coaches in the in the league, and really in any sport in at, at any level, adapt. are ones are ones that can adapt and coach differently. We saw the Saints' offense change in front of our eyes last year. Yeah, Michael Thomas is a lockdown number one, but Drew Brees wasn't throwing the ball 700 times anymore. Now they have two running backs that, that crushed it for fantasy purposes and in NFL purposes. Oh, so Something good for these guys, but I think we're getting close to the break. We're I getting a little close to the break, yeah. so why don't we, we'll tease that. Corey's got an unbelievable question after it is. the break. <laughs> it really is. It's the, <laughs> it's the best question I've never heard. <laughs> so it's Mike, Joe, Rich, and Corey on the 2018 NFL Draft Combine Special. We're back after this. You can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. the fantasy sports radio network live on youtube twitter twitch with the nfl draft combine special we just got through some wide receivers but first i want to tell you where you can hit the experts up you can hit me up at mike blewett b-l-e-w-i-t-t joe lisi is at go for the two just how it sounds and two is the number two uh, Rich Cirminello is Rich C I R M I N I E L L O, and Corey Parson, as always, at the Fantasy Exec. And last thing before we get to Corey's greatest question of all time. <laughs> The fan-controlled football league is making fantasy football a reality. Like a real-life version of Madden, fans will vote on all personnel decisions and play calls in real time. And what the fans say goes. You'll scout players, draft rosters, hire coaches, and even design your team logo. All through a crowdsourced vote made possible through blockchain technology. A public leaderboard will even show which fans have the highest football IQ. I mean, that would be me, obviously. And the best-performing fans will be eligible for many prizes, including a cut of the $1 million championship purse. Visit fcfl.io to learn more. The FCFL, where you're in control. So, Corey did have a question for Rich and Joe, uh, and he and I talked about this yesterday. So, Corey, set it up for him. Uh, The NFL competition committee is talking about going away from the spot foul on pass interference and going to a 15-yard penalty like college football style. But a lot of people would think that this would lead to what people say happens. And I don't see it much mm-hmm. in college football where receiver, the, the defender gets beat so bad, he just ends up tackling the wide receiver. 
Yeah, I, I like the college rule better. I might be partial because that's what uh, we do, Joe and I. But I, I, I don't like the opportunity to have a 40, 50-yard penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and from what I've seen in the NFL, you guys could correct me, but, I mean, how often does it happen where somebody is beat and winds up just completely ransacking the wide receiver to avoid a big play. So the college rule, 15-yard penalty as opposed to the spot foul, I, I like it better. Yeah, I do too. I think when you look at a defensive perspective, I'm a defensive guy, so I, I think an offense needs to work down the field to score points. And if you're going to throw an 80-yard pass and have a pass interference on the 10-yard line to dictate an outcome of a game, the college game is great. It's very exciting. I even think the NFL, even though they won't do it because of the the uh, the uh, game uh, time, mm-hmm. they will not go to the college format for overtime. But ah, uh, it's great. I mean, it really is cool. Some I mean, people hate that though. I love it. Yeah, I love a lot it. of people I, in the NFL nah, would, would, know, they would hate they that. Yeah, do they that, don't want to do that. That would be great if they did that. The AFC Championship game before the half, it was a real. Real tricky, controversial pass interference, mm-hmm. and it set the Patriots up inside the red zone. And you know how that goes. It was a bad flag. It, it was a terrible line. flag. It wasn't. It, it was called on AJ Bouye. It wasn't interference. The Pats capitalized immediately, scored a touchdown. It really did swing the game. Now later in that game, Jalen Ramsey tackled one of the Patriots wide receivers because he was beat. To Rich's point about how often does it happen. I mean, in, in a very high-profile game, sure. you had one of each of those types of calls. Yeah. Now, Jake Seeley, you can find him on Twitter, at AllInKid. He is excellent accuracy ranker for fantasy sports, football, baseball. Um, his opinion, because he watches a ton of college football too, is that there are many instances during a given college football weekend where guys are being tackled because they're beat and they'll take the 15-yard penalty. He thinks that will translate to the NFL, and there will be many of those plays. Are you of the opinion that it's like that? I think if you watch the NFL, though, there's no hitting going on in the NFL anyway. It's basically a flag on a seven-on-seven game anyway. I mean, at least at the collegiate level, I think it's I think it's a rougher game, to be honest with you. I really do. I think the NFL, the way it is now, you can't touch any of the quarterbacks. You can't hit them. Yeah, Tom Brady needs a clean pocket. Everybody <laughs> needs a clean pocket. You know, can't hurt the quarterback. Otherwise, there goes the whole league. I, I'm all for defense. So if you, I think the pass interference at the collegiate level, it's great for the game, and I think it'll make it very interesting. It'll hurt fantasy points. So I understand why a lot of people are against that, but from a playing perspective, I think it's it's great for the NFL. Yeah, Rich. Any further thoughts? No, I, I listen. I like the college rule. Maybe I'm just a creature of habit at this point. But to me, I, I, I'm not a big fan of a 50-yard penalty. I haven't seen enough instances where it's been abused. So I, I would stick with the college rule at this point. I actually think they're not going to do it, Corey, to, because of what Joe <laughs> For just For all of that, they're not going they're to not do it. Because of what Joe scoring. just said. They want scoring. Mm-hmm. They do want clean pockets. They do want more fantasy points. And people have watched. And right. there's no evidence to suggest just, that just, they've been wrong. I just look like it was, sometimes these calls in these games are very controversial. And a, and, a, and a 15, I think a 15-yard penalty is a better way to go. And it seems like every call, every long pass play, for the most part, if there's any type of contact, you're I getting know. a flag. I know. So the I the mean, one thing I actually did like about the Super Bowl is that they kept the flags in, they let in their play. pocket for the most part. Now, people are going to complain about the Pats only seeing two penalties for 15 yards over the last two games of the year, but well, they didn't win the Super Bowl. So it is what it is. Uh, well, let's move on to the tight end position. That was a good discussion, though, um, because it's something to keep in mind for fantasy owners. We don't get awarded for offensive or defensive pass interference penalized either way, but it's something to keep in mind because you, you might see a few less big plays because of those flags. Now, the tight end position. 
it's not a particularly ballyhooed position this year. Last year, we saw tight ends go right there. They went sort of back-to-back almost. Uh, O.J. Howard and you had Evan Ingram there. Evan Ingram seen labeled a tight end, but most people think he's really more yeah. of a wide receiver. And you had David Njoku at the end of the first round, too. So we had three guys go in the first round. Um, that was a little bit of a change from years past. So this year, you're not seeing a lot of buzz on any of these guys. Uh, you see them ranked. You see Hayden Hurst out of South Carolina, Dallas, Dallas Godert from South Dakota State, an FCS guy. So, Rich, I'll go to you first on this. What do you think of this class in general? Is it one of the weaknesses of this draft? Yeah, it's a it's a marginal class at this point when you compare it side by side with 2016. Obviously, we're not going to see three first round tight end draft choices. I don't think we'll see any this year. Hayden Hurst is the best of the bunch out of South Carolina. A little bit more of a mature prospect was a pitcher in the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, farm system. So he's got a unique background when it comes to college football players and future NFL players. I like his overall skill set. Again, more more mature, tall, 6'5", 250 pounds, good hands, uh, agile in space. I think he's the kind of tight end that you're looking for in a passing game, can do a little bit of blocking as well. Goddard is a kid that's going to be fun to watch over the next month and a half to two months, uh, beginning with the combine in the next couple of days, because we haven't had a chance to evaluate him that much. We don't know much about his competition level, but what little we've seen, he looks like a three-level tight end. He can catch it in the short, flat. He can catch it intermediate. He can catch, uh, be a seam buster as well. And some of the acrobatic catches this kid has made sort of, you know, I, I think almost like a Zach Ertz in, in his ability to make plays. So, an interesting kid to watch uh, over the next month and a half. I love me some Zach Ertz. I draft that guy <laughs> every chance I get in, in fantasy drafts every year. I'm all over Zach Ertz. The secret's out now, unfortunately, but um, it is what it is. So, Corey, needs tight end which team is going to go after a tight end you know it's going to be a little bit more difficult to predict this simply because we're not seeing guys going in the first round so there could be some movement for teams that are you know empty at the tight end position the Steelers have been rolling with Jesse James but they could use somebody if they can get an upgrade I think you could a a situation you look at I start with the AFC North like the Cincinnati Bengals this situation what's this dude that can't stay on the field Tyler Eifert with his back yeah yeah, you can forget about him I think the Cincinnati Bengals is a team that you could use a tight end the Pittsburgh Steelers could use a tight end the Baltimore Ravens is a place where you could definitely see a tight end it's a tight end wasteland everybody gets hurt yeah it it is but Joe Flacco likes to throw the football to the tight end he he, uh, talks the tight end. Jason Witten is going to have to leave Dallas at some point. The Cowboys could be in the market for a tight end, and I can see the Jacksonville Jaguars looking for a tight end also. So Goddard went to South Dakota State. Can you name an active NFL player from South Dakota State? Can you name the nickname? The Jackrabbits. I think they are the Jackrabbits. Oh, that's a good one right there. The Jackrabbits. An active player. He's the oldest player in the league. James Harrison? (laughs) Adam Vinatieri. I was about to say Adam Vinatieri. Oh, okay. Adam Vinatieri. I think he's the only one uh, from South Dakota State currently in the league. So, um, so, yeah, so again, this class, not a ton there, but how about somebody like Mike Kosicki, Mark Andrews, Will Disley, a few other names that are kind of getting onto people's boards. You like any of those guys or somebody not out of those top five, Joe, that you think could contribute? Yeah, I, I do. I think when you look at last year's draft, Mike, it was a, a twofold type of draft for tight ends. You had a, a more of a, a dual threat, Jason Witten type of tight end like O.J. Howard that could block. He could be utilized as a sixth offensive lineman and still make big plays in the past 
passing game, and then you had your Evan Ingram type of uh, tight end that could be utilized in red zone opportunities like a Gronkowski and mismatch on linebackers and nickelbacks. I think when you look at this draft, a guy that I like is Sicky from Penn State. Uh, he's also a blocking tight end playing uh, with Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley, but how about Troy Fumagalli from Wisconsin? This is a guy who's about 6'6", 250 pounds, led the Wisconsin Badgers with receptions, stepped up in big games. He's a blue-collar kid that could be utilized in terms of offensive line blocking as well, goal line situation, so I like him. I think he's a prospect, and I like also Mark Andrews. I think he's the guy, when you look at this class overall, which guy translates much like Evan Ingram in red zone opportunities, playing with Baker Mayfield, Mark Andrews is a guy for me that I think is that guy like a Gronkowski. Is he the same type of ability? No, but he's my guy for uh, red zone opportunities. For fantasy in year one, it has to be a move tight end. It has to be a move tight end for fantasy in you know, year one. It's funny that you say that because I was just thinking as we were talking here, these tight ends that got drafted this past year, Ingram and Joku and O.J. Howard, none of them contributed in a big way, but they got excoriated by the media you don't members. Think, you don't think Ingram did? Ingram was Ingram was no, was contributing no. in a big way. Yeah, but he got hammered because he dropped a bunch of passes. Is, okay, is my point. I, my greater point was that the media was really rough on those guys. And Joku, I don't know what you want him to really do. But his quarterback situation was bad. OJ Howard flashed at times. I think he's the best of the bunch. All that came but out last okay, year. By the way, but it's okay that he didn't. Yeah, I say yeah, okay. Yeah. He, he already had uh, oh, name blanking. I'm, my man, uh, make, make America Braid again. Yeah, Cameron yeah. Braid. <laughs> Cameron Braid from Harvard. Yeah. So he was already an effective tight end. The fact that but, they could utilize two tight ends was a positive for Tampa. But O.J. Howard is much better blocker than Braid was, so Braid was able to rack up more receptions. Where I don't, th- I think Braid is All going. I'm saying is those guys are still good long-term oh, yeah. prospects. I think, OJ I think fantasy owners weren't fair to them because you know, fantasy owners are fickle. They're, right. pain, they're pain. They, they're fickle. They <laughs> want, they want results right away. They're impulsive, though, too. Yeah. I th- and Rich and I just spoke about this in the break. I think it, it takes a couple of years, depending upon the player that you're trying to draft, you need to have patience. There are growing pains to understand the system. Where did they go from college? Did they play in a five-wide type of scheme? And can they break bump and run coverage on the next level? Sometimes that takes two and three years. Look at Alshon Jeffrey's progression from Chicago now to Philadelphia. It took a while. Even Nelson Aguilar as well. Yeah, Nelson Aguilar. I don't understand where that came from. I'll be honest. I had written Nelson Aguilar completely off. And I think, uh, and I think you're going to see that more and more. As, I mean, fantasy owners are quick to pull the trigger on some of these talents. Last year, I, I was the guy that held on to Corey Davis, drafted him in fantasy, and Same. held on and held on and held on. And then I was at the end of the year, I must admit I was disappointed. But, Rich, I think I'm going to go back because I think the talent is real. In terms of Corey Davis. Corey Davis, Yeah, yes. I, I mean, listen, I loved Corey Davis when he was playing in the MAC. Uh, I think he has a tremendous skill set. Kid from Chicago. He's got a big heart. Uh, perseverance, work ethic was overlooked coming out of high school. So I, I think uh, anybody who quits on uh, a Corey Davis will do so at their own peril. So let me ask a general question. And you can it could be a tight end, it could be another uh, position. Since you guys follow this so closely, you're in the recruiting game as well as far as following these players. You know some of these guys from high school. I, I can remember when I followed recruiting a little bit more closely. It, I'm not surprised Stefan Diggs is good because he was such a massive recruit coming out of high school. I thought he got caught in the wash a little bit with some middling Maryland teams, and maybe he didn't put up numbers that NFL scouts like to see. So who are some guys that you've been following for a long time that you think 
you know what? I think this guy's going to be good at the next level, even though people aren't talking about him now because he was really good in high school. He showed what kind of an athlete he is. I know it's an open-ended question, but just curious if there's guys that you've followed for a long time that you're excited about seeing get drafted uh, in these next couple of months. Well, getting drafted, I mean, for me, it's Lorenzo Carter at the defensive end position because a lot has been said about Marcus Davenport. He's a 6'6", 250 type of guy, and which guy resembles a Jadavion Clowney on the defensive side of the ball? I'm all in on Lorenzo Carter. I think his productivity on the next level, five-star recruit, didn't live up to Underachieved, yeah, grossly underachieved. So uh, I'm a defensive guy. I like him on the next level. Yeah, I'll keep it on defense. I'll I'll say Andrew Brown from Virginia. Similar case as Lorenzo Carter. This was a kid that was a five-star recruit. People were surprised that Virginia got him Mm -hmm. at that time, that Mike London landed a player of his caliber, did not play up to that potential in Charlottesville, uh, but but showed some flashes last year, has done well so far in terms of all-star games. He's not going to be five-star caliber in the NFL in terms of what his high school uh, expectations were, but I think Andrew Brown is the kind of player, about 6'4", 285 pounds, who still has some good life. I think the trajectory is headed in the right direction for this player. And and to Joe's point too, I mean, a lot of these players develop at different times, whether it's high school to college, college to the pros, they develop at different paces, different times. They're in systems that maybe don't fit. So I, I think it's uh, it's too early sometimes to write off these kids who have tremendous pedigree. I was just about to say that, Corey. We we sit here. We're gonna we do our draft analysis every year. We do our fantasy draft analysis every year. And what does the NFL go and do? They draft a whole bunch of quarterbacks in the first round. And they hit them at fifty percent clip. Mm-hmm. So to suggest that first of all, the NFL is getting it wrong fifty percent of the time in the first round quarterbacks. To, su- to suggest people know exactly what kind of player right. a kid is when he's a senior right. or junior in high school when he commits to what he becomes in the NFL, that's a long way. Yeah. That could be six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Body types change, mental maturity changes, guys you know, in both directions, by the way. Um, and, and guys can slip and slide down out of the draft right. or uh, prove themselves to be a player that was a lot better than anticipated. I think of Anthony Costanzo at BC. He was like a two-star guy and and BJ Raji from BC was a two-star guy. By the end of it, they were first-round draft picks and they had they're having long NFL careers. So, um so to wrap up the tight ends, you know, not a ballyhooed class. We probably don't see any come into the first round because I think teams are going to assume they can wait. The difference between Hurst and the rest of the guys isn't a huge gap. So I think you'll probably see most of these guys going in the second round. And, Corey, it's going to depend where they land. Yeah, no, it's it's, um, schemes and systems play a big part in what you're trying to do. Now, you made an interesting point about taking these quarterbacks in the first round. I think the reason why the NFL has to do it is because you're looking for a face of a franchise. And And you have to pay up for that. Yeah, but it isn't the proper analytical way to go about it. It's not, but if you you listen, you got to put the guy out there at the front that's going to be the leader of the franchise. You got to go get him, and you got to pay him accordingly. Mr. Bisky is bad this year. Everybody's out of a job. Just saying. Uh, prototypical. Hey, listen. They said he was the prototypical quarterback, not me. <laughs> 13, 13 starts in his college career. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about pass rushers after this on College Football Today. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. 
Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Back on college football today, 2018 NFL Combine Special. <laughs> Just in time. You saw my 40s feet. <laughs> hey, people are looking at Corey after that the dash back to the microphone. Combine going on here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're, so we talked tight ends. Uh, we're going to get to edge rushers in a minute, which, look, a lot of fantasy players out there are going to be looking for your QB, your RB, your tight end, wide receiver, Calvin Ridley. Um, and I get that, but we want to cover the entirety of the combine. And plus, I'm somebody that plays in individual defensive player leagues in fantasy. I think it's really important that we give that kind of information. Plus, I want to tell people you should play in IDP leagues. Drafting team defenses is a little too easy. I think you should challenge yourself. And frankly, if you're an NFL fan, I think it's more fun. I, I'll tell you, I've ha- I have more fun playing fantasy when it, you're playing IDPs. So we're going to give you some insight there. The edge rusher is what we're going to start with, but we'll also get into defensive backs and other players too, which can be very high-scoring fantasy players. But before we do that, I'll talk to you a little bit about DKMS. Every three minutes, an American is diagnosed with blood cancer. Unfortunately, over 30% of patients are able to find a compatible bone marrow donor within their family. But that's how you can help. Go to dkms.org backslash FNTSY today and sign up online to register as a donor. DKMS will send you a swab kit, which takes legitimately one minute to do. You swab each of your cheeks and send it back to them, and that's it. You're done. DKMS will then try and match you up with a person in need of a donation. The process is easy, and best of all, you can actually save someone's life. Not metaphorically, but quite literally. Check out dkms.org backslash FNTSY to see how you can help. And I'll tell you, during the course of this year, I was doing a show and somebody called in that was the benef- that was a beneficiary of a bone marrow donor. And he was in line with DKMS and he couldn't thank us enough for supporting this cause. And I would suggest you just go there, visit it, and find out a little bit more about it. That's all I can ask. Uh, so uh, on to the edge rushers. Now, this is a fun, this is a fun group right here. I saw... Bradley Chubb play against my Boston College Eagles this year. I know I keep relaying it back, but that's what I do. I'm a, I'm a homer. So, and he was a wrecking I never, ball. But I never thought that. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a wrecking ball. I think I texted you guys. And I was like, this guy is out of control. So, uh, Bradley Chubb is really coming in at the top of the list. We talked about Marcus Davenport earlier. You said he's got a huge pass rushing uh, body type. He's 6'6", 250, I think, Joe, you mentioned. Um and then there's a few other guys, too. Arden Key, Harold Landry, Sam Hubbard. I'm going to start with you, Rich, because I think you talked to me specifically about Arden Key and how he yeah. has somewhat fallen out of, out of favor of some of the scouts, but he could do a lot of work this week and in the coming weeks to improve his draft stock. Yeah, he's a prime example, Arden Key, of somebody who can help his cause or hurt his cause because after the 2016 season, Hey, everybody really thought that this would have been a top 10, top 12 overall pick. He was that dominant at LSU. Just a you know combination of speed and size and physicality. Gets around the edge quickly, about 6'5", 265 pounds. Looked like the total package. And then he just fell off a cliff last year. It was a combination of things. Had some injury problems, shoulder injury. Was away from the team for a while. 
uh, lacked conditioning once we got to the fall, so he didn't perform up to expectations. So now is Arden Key's time. He he still has that potential to be a top 10 player. He's not going to be a top 10 pick. He has that potential. I see on the upside, he's from one of your Dolphins. I see like a Jason Taylor. He has that kind of potential. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he that that's the ceiling, but the floor is a lot lower than many of us anticipated based on what he did in 2017. So the combine will be very important to the future of Arden Key. Yeah, I agree with Rich. I, Arden Key is a guy that I think is one of the best pass rushers in the league now. Uh, people will look about for Cleveland with Barkevius Mingo didn't pan out. He's a different type of edge rusher. Rich mentioned it. He did lead the team with 10 total sacks in 2016. 2017 had some off-the-field issues, some substance abuse problems. That's why he was away from the team. But he came back in the second half of the year. He stepped up when they played SEC competition like Alabama. So I love Arden Key. I think he does have... uh, If this was 2016, Arden Key would be a top 10 pick based off his intangibles and his production from the 2015 season. A lot had him as a top 10 pick. So I agree with Rich in that standpoint. A guy, when you look at Bradley Chubb as well, Bradley Chubb to me resembles DeMarcus Ware. Same type of body type. Is he going to be that dominant edge rusher though, like a Jadavion Clowney coming off the edge I don't know. I think he's more of a run stuffer. I think he could be a situational defensive end. Is he the best defensive end in this draft? I don't think so. I think guys like Lorenzo Carter, Arden Key will have better NFL careers, and I'm sold on Marcus Davenport. Corey, just, I think the, the pick I've seen most often of a player tied to a certain team is Bradley Chubb to Indianapolis. The Colts have so many holes on defense that they just are, they need somebody to come in there and make an impact right away. Bradley Chubb may be that guy. Maybe he's not, Rich, the top-end guy that a couple of the other ones are. But to your point, he can be a run-stuffer. So maybe his versatility helps the Colts more than anything else. They need help all over that, all over that defense, the Indianapolis Colts, not to mention that offensive line. But I think Chubb is the guy that we're seeing projected there most. It'll be interesting to see what would happen if we got luck fully healthy and all. Barkley just if Barkley was sitting there at three, could they, you know, pass on having a generational quarterback and a generational running back that's interesting but they do have a lot of pieces they got to fill so I can see them going with the pass rusher especially in that division you know what I mean you got you got the up and coming 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 quarterbacks like all Mariota in that division so you want to be able to go out there and get a pass rusher if he's available Arden Key what was his substance abuse out of curiosity it wasn't serious it was it was marijuana marijuana. issues Uh, from what I've heard he went away for uh, an extended period of time and then he came back right before fall camp and that's why uh, he suffered in the in the first half of the season, along with uh, what Rich mentioned the okay. shoulder injury. Corey, like you know, though, some teams are just going to strike him off the board because uh, of marijuana. I think some will. Some. Yeah, Randy, not, Gregory, not though, Randy Gregory, I mean, based off of productivity, still. I mean, he slipped in the draft. Yeah. But again, I mean, that was right after. The, the, the yeah. season. So, I mean, Arden Key dealt yeah. with it a couple of years ago. I'm not suggesting he won't get drafted high by somebody. I'm just saying uh, a, a couple of teams are going to strike him off their draft board. So, that tends to hurt you overall. I, 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 I think it's a, I look at it, I look at it funny because you look at marijuana, the recreational drug yeah. that these kids are doing in college, and we saw a video with a Dolphins offensive lineman yeah. doing a line off a table. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, it's like. What are we going to do here, NFL? Know. You know, know what I mean? I know. It's uh, This it's is a week where you figure that stuff out at the combine, you know? Well, yeah. you have to know, it's more than substance abuse as far as I'm concerned. It's more than okay. pot to me. It's, it's to uh, me. 
discipline. It's discipline. Uh-huh. That, that is the issue. It's not right. a matter of what your feelings are about pot. It's it's legal in certain states. 29 at, at states. Point. Right. So, I mean, that's not the issue. To me is, what is your level of seriousness? Because mm-hmm. it's go time. Once you get to your junior year, your senior year, you're playing for a massive salary at that point. So, to me, my question as a GM or a scout would be, how much does it matter to him? And does he have the discipline? Whether you agree or disagree, yeah. doesn't matter. You know it's not going to bode well. And if you can't sort of uh, edit yourself at that point, that would be a concern of mine. All right. So we'll keep going with uh, other edge rushers. By the way, I answered the 29 states thing way too quick. I, like, <laughs> I knew how many states marijuana was legal. Mike blew it in, in, in the after show. <laughs> blew it's going to name all 29 states, by the way. So stupid. I should have just played dumb on that. But in any event, uh, so a few other guys. Harold Landry. I, I, I was joking earlier. How I, Where did I'm he go hom- to school, Mike, by the way? I, I was joking. how I'm a homer. Uh, but Landry, honestly... It's a bummer that he got hurt this year because I knew it was going to be the last time I was going to be able to watch him. He only played eight games. He backed out of the bowl game when some thought he could play. I don't blame him considering the condition that field was in. Uh, but some people have him in the top five pass rushers, see him as a first-round pick potentially. He was going into the year conceivably a top ten pick in this draft. What are your thoughts on Landry long term? I think he's got good upside. He led the team in 2016, 16 and a half sacks. He dipped to about six last year and then didn't play the second half of the year especially in the bowl game against Iowa that's a concern of mine he's more of an edge rusher not solid in run support so uh, again I, I, I like Marquise Haynes from Ole Miss. I mean, you're talking about an edge-dominant rusher, 24-and-a-half total sacks in his three-year career, did it against some of the better teams in the SEC, like Alabama, Florida State, on a bad defense. He was the best player. I like Marquise Haynes. He's too small. I think he can add some weight, He's 225 pounds. He's 25 pounds lighter than Harold Landry. Dwight Freeney, that type of edge rusher. That's where I see Yeah, but Freeney was a heck of a lot bigger than Haynes. Haynes is 225 pounds. He's built like a safety. He can go to 235, It's possible. To to your question, Mike, I love Harold Landry. I, I strike last season from the record books from my memory he was not healthy for most of the season I look at the tape from 2016 he has violent hands he plays with tremendous tenacity not a great run defender but that's not really what you expect he's more of a hybrid between a defensive end and an outside linebacker but I look at the motor that he plays with plays with great technique can kind of swim around offensive tackles get around the edge very quickly and he doesn't just look to sack I love players like Harold Landry because he looks to strip sack. He's looking to make a turnover when he gets to the quarterback, and that's a characteristic that I think is innate in Harold Landry. I think he's going to have a great career. I think he's a Vic Beasley type of a pass rusher. I think he's going to be a terrific pro. Hat trick, the strips, the, the sack, the strip, and the fumble recovery. Vic Beasley, though, was only 230, 235 coming out of Clemson. That's what. That's true. Joe didn't enough. forget yeah. that. Joe didn't forget that. <laughs> he's still trying to make his Marquise Haynes no, no, no. point. He was a yeah, yeah. It really goes to the type of defensive player that you want. Randy Gregory mm-hmm. is the same thing. He was a lanky defensive end, never panned out because he never added extra muscle and never took his game See, to the but next Landry level. is different. He doesn't a different build yeah. than that. He he doesn't have to really add weight. He's sort of stout yeah. and and has muscle already at 6'3", 250. I think if he gets to 255, yeah. 260, that's plenty enough for what he's looking yeah, to do. And, and, and Landry did play. Players have defensively, 
Keekly. I mean, Milano. Yeah, I they've mean, done well. Players, they've yeah. done well in the league. I think that helps. You know, at the end of the day, scouts do start to fall in love with certain schools. Yeah, right. They like Alabama players because they're ready to play. You could say that Saban uses up the running backs, right. and he does. But they like the other types of defensive players because they know pro schemes already. And they don't have to relearn an entire system. Like, I hate to keep bashing the Big 12, but some of those players do have to relearn a system. Bob Bowlesby is going to be sending you, uh, like, a season to assist order. Bill Snyder. Bring it on. So, so yeah, so so Landry, obviously, in a good position there. Sam Herb- Hubbard is another name from yeah. Ohio State. Yeah. What are your Former, thoughts there? Former uh, high school lacrosse player. Actually began his career looking like he was going to go to Notre Dame to play lacrosse. He's that kind of an athlete, 6'5", 265 pounds. The biggest lacrosse player of all yeah. time. So, sort of lost in the shuffle because Ohio State, Nick Bosa is going to be the big name next yeah. year. Uh, it kind of got lost in the shuffle because there were so many defensive linemen in Columbus. There was such a big rotation. But Sam Hubbard, I think, will be late first, early second round, can defend the run, has good size, is not going to be a speed rusher, but has a great motor. And I think a, I think a handful of teams are going to fall in love with what that kid. What about his teammate, Tyquan Lewis? Not so, as much as Hubbard. Hubbard will be a yeah, better he'll pro have than a Lewis. Better, he'll be yeah. drafted, but Tyquan Lewis will be a starter. Uh, I'm down on that. I have to say this about Davenport. I, I really do. You look at his production, eight and a half sacks in 2017. The last five games of the year, two sacks against the better teams in on their schedule, Marshall, Southern Miss, and Florida International, no sacks. In 2016, Colorado State, Southern Miss, Arizona State, no sacks, one sack against Texas A&M. He's a one-hit wonder that dominated the Senior Bowl and now he's a top 10 draft pick because of his size, 6'6", 250 pounds. Senior Bowl, when you look at these all-star games, especially from an offensive line perspective where guys are playing together for only 7 to 10 days, I don't put a lot of weight into the production on the offense and defensive line play because of the cohesiveness and continuity on the offensive line. If a defensive player dominates... I would have to look at his body of work over what he did in the senior bowl. Corey, what worries me about something like Joe's talking about, you had the Niners play draft a guy like Eric Armstead who coming out of Oregon only had like four and a half career sacks. They just loved how big he was yeah. and that he was going to be uh, – they were going to have a couple of new defensive linemen to play with. And it's not really translating to sack production in the NFL. Now, maybe he's not – somebody like Armstead isn't a sack specialist, but – lack of production does start to worry you at that position in particular. You can't just take the athlete and throw him out there. He's got to have a lot of technique. No, I, I, I agree with that, and I think that's something that the scouts and the NFL people need to be looking for because, you know, and, and then the strength of competition that you're going up against also, I think that plays a big role into it, too. You look at the dude the Cowboys drafted last year, Taco Charlton. Yeah. Did he even play yeah. this year? Yeah. I he, might have heard his name once. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a big factor. So, from a fantasy standpoint, I think your edge rushers the very few elite guys are the ones you're going to want to take early in your IDP leagues. But once you get past the first couple, it gets tough. Can one of these guys be an elite pass rusher one day? We'll have to see. I think there's a few guys. I'm, I'm worried about Davenport based on what you're saying there. But maybe somebody like uh, Arden Key comes to the forefront. And he becomes a lockdown pass rusher again. Uh, 
everybody needs that position, right? Uh, there's only a few teams that have somebody locked in, like uh, the Chargers, frankly, with Bosa uh, long term and at, at a pretty good price. Yeah. So uh, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about uh, defensive backs and linebackers because there's a bunch of guys here that we'd like that I think you guys are going to rave about, um, and we'll get your thoughts on that and where exactly they could end up. Uh, teams always in need of those. Uh, lockdown corners. We'll see if there's anybody available in the first round or after that. So it's Mike, Joe, Rich, Corey. The 2018 NFL Draft Combine rolls on to hour number three after this on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. <laughs> 